online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That indeed it is. And on today's show, could a ghost be the one who saved a mother and daughter from potential tragedy? This listener shares her love-hate relationship with the man in the kitchen. A very sad secret lies in the basement of a 150-year-old mansion, but is it just the spirit that remains in the house? One father's humor literally lingers past death. What is it? Unmistakable and slightly offensive scent. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. And uh, I should note that uh, the email has been sent out with the link to listen to, uh, or not listen to, but view our uh, Spirits in the Air film. And uh, very, very excited about that. So uh, as you listen to this episode here on Friday, uh, if you're an EPP, you should have received that email link so you can uh, watch that as uh, an exclusive of being an EPP well before uh, everybody else. For everyone else, if you want to see it, well, you got to become an EPP. Sign up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And another link to that will go out in this weekend's uh, EPP episode, because, of course, we're releasing our EPP episode as well this week. Um, And the link to view the video will be uh, in there as well. It's a short film, about 25 minutes in length. And I made another trailer for it. Oh, you did? This this one has uh, some some clips from the film in it. And I thought uh, I thought I'd play it here on the show. Uh, so, I mean, it, obviously you can't see it. This is an audio show. But uh, you can, in fact, see the, the new trailer. That's up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. So you can watch the visual version of this trailer. Uh, but uh, for right now, for on the show, I'm going to play it back so you can actually take a listen to it. I want to see it. Okay, hang on one second. Let me just pull it up here. Patience, my dear. I don't, I don't have patience. I believe it's in this folder right here. And it's under real ghost stories and videos. And here we go. Spirits in the Air trailer number two. So this is a little sampling of what is going to be uh, in uh, or is in the film Spirits in the Air about the haunted airport. So uh, take a listen. Uh, We become an EPP and you can enjoy this uh, along with us. So here you go. It is so unexplainable. I mean, in most cases, it seems like there must be somebody here. This place doesn't have just like one haunting. There are so many stories and seemingly so many things in this building. I, I, I feel like we are just skimming the surface. And in the paint that I just painted, like somebody had, with their finger, had made letters. It said, I did it with an exclamation. I think that there are a lot of spirits haunting it, not just one or two. I think that there's all kinds of spirits haunting it. They could hear bustling, like the sounds of a terminal. They like that, you know, the people talking and like music. Every single soldier who perished in World War II, his or her remains were processed through this building. So maybe that's it. I don't know. To say it's just 
one ghost or this or that, I, I think he, I think is really understating what is going on uh, in that building. So there you go. That is the new trailer for Spirits in the Air. I like it. And EPPs, of course, have access to that film right now. They got an email. If you would like to see it for yourself, it's about a 25-minute film. Just become an EPP. You sign up to the website at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's five bucks a month. You get a bonus episode of the show every single week. Uh, and access to exclusives like that well before everybody else. Uh, Spirits in the Air, a great uh, film that we had a lot of fun working on. So uh, please sign up. And if you sign up today, it's Friday, uh, you will uh, not only get access to that as we sent out that email this weekend, but another episode, a bonus episode for your weekend to enjoy. You know, run a campfire or something. It's perfect uh, season for that. So uh, you're also supporting the show, which is a big, big deal. It keeps our show alive. Five bucks a month, or you can do the $60 a year, whatever works better for you. And you get all those extras. And thank you in advance uh, for checking that out. I had a great time doing that. Now we have to find another location to do a little film at <laughs> <laughs> because that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, just getting in there and really seeing some of that stuff. Well, maybe some of our listeners could suggest locations they want to see. That's a great idea. If anybody has a suggestion for a, a place that would fit a film of this nature. I love abandoned places. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I mean, there's any suggestions like that. And we have an abandoned amusement park here in this town, but I don't think there's any ghosts connected with it other than it's just a creepy as hell abandoned amusement park. Um, but anything, any suggestions you guys have, maybe somebody could start a thread for it on the, uh, the message board of suggested locations for uh, a real ghost stories online film. That would be, uh, that'd be very helpful. And uh, we can kind of make a list and essentially make a bucket list of where we want to go yeah. and what we want to film. So anyway, help us out with that. And uh, we'll keep delivering some really uh, exciting content to you. Uh, let's kick off the show here with a call at 855-853-4802 to Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hey, guys. It's uh, Mike, the truck driver from Nashville, Tennessee again. Um, you played my story earlier this week about uh, me and my wife living in my grandfather's house that my uncle had killed himself in and you said that you would like to know more about the um the story with my uncle and his girlfriend that left him well uh, i can't really tell you any more about that my my grandmother doesn't really want to talk about that so but i i did the day you played my story i stopped by her house on my way home that evening and um you know it was talk to her and and uh because i remembered that she had said something about that property she lived on when she was a kid a small child um so i went by and and and, you know just started talking to her about it the old house and telling her that the um whoever bought it had fixed it up you know really nice they refurbished the outside and stuff and um started talking about the property and she she was telling me that that house was like a um, uh, the equivalent of what today is now Habitat for Humanity. Um, it was, you know, built in I think 1959. At the time when the house was built, her and my grandfather lived in this other this house to the left of it. It was like a basically what she said was like a shack, like a two bedroom shack, pretty much. And um, this house was built for these other people who she said weren't very good people and they only lived there about nine months and when the house went up for sale they decided to buy it so they bought the house and um but 
when she was a child, they that all that property around that house used to belong to one person. It was he owned it was four hundred acres. Um and my grandmother said she lived there. It the the guy had a farm there and when she was a child they lived um my grandfather's house it, it's right up on the road pretty much. And but way back behind the house when the the original owner owned all four hundred acres, they um uh my grandmother and her mother and father lived back there uh way back behind the house in another house, small house that was back there and my great grand grandfather worked for the man that owned all this property and my grandmother told me that uh his name was Mr. Johnson and um she said he was not a very nice man, um alcoholic, um uh abused his wife and uh, you know, it was just not very friendly. Um, but she said that um, when, when she was a child, she was maybe, uh, she said maybe five or six. So she was born in 1936, so that would make it maybe 1941 or so. Um, the, the man that owned the property was, his house was where my grandfather's house is now, the original owner's house was maybe probably a hundred feet behind that house. And so the house that my grandfather owned would basically be his front yard then. And um, she said, in, which is weird, in December, which is when my uncle decided to kill himself, um, the man, Mr. Johnson, was actually shot in his front yard where that house is now by one of his farmhands who he got in an argument with. And the Mr. Johnson, the guy that shot him, he was shot in his chest, which is where my uncle shot himself. He shot himself in the heart. So I thought that was pretty strange. Um, but uh, that's pretty much what she, everything she told me. Um, but I thought that was interesting that, um, he was killed in, in mid-December and my uncle decided to kill himself in mid-December. Um, don't know if it's coincidence or not, but I just thought that was really interesting. So there's a little bit more to the story for you. So, um, thanks a lot. Um, can't wait to hear new episodes and I will definitely call back with, interesting stories for you all right thank you all right coincidence there or just statistical timing i don't know it's pretty it's pretty hard to say that it's just coincidence i mean honestly the the chances of having somebody be killed on that property where the house is and then the chances of somebody coming along afterwards and taking their own life essentially in the same fashion. I mean, those are pretty, pretty, pretty slim odds. Yeah, your odds are low. Um, I guess I'll argue, and I'm not saying that I, I'm arguing against, I'm just, I'm just pointing out some statistical facts. December is the highest month of the year for suicides. Okay. Statistically. Um, 
I don't know what the statistics are in killing yourself with a shotgun or a gun where that bullet usually goes. I would imagine probably heart and head are probably two of the more common places. Yeah, if they choose that route. If they choose that route. So, I'm just saying, you know, if there was like, well, he shot himself in the shoulder and died. And, you know, they both did that or something, some odd location or something, and it didn't work out and they died. Uh, or I guess it did work out to their intent. Um, I'd be like, well, that's a little, little more rare. Sure. I guess. I don't know. It, it's hard. I mean, you got a point because you have a good argument there where it's statistically same property, same place, same time of year, same area of the body with the same type of weapon. There's a lot there. You can also, like I said, look at the other end of it of these are statistically common things to have happened too. So I don't know. Yeah, but the farmer being killed i mean the yeah. statistics on on that can't be high i mean yes the the part where um our caller's uncle you know yes i i totally understand that you know i guess being as high of a probability as far as suicide goes because of the time of year and everything i don't know i i just got to think that there's something something to it something else going on there maybe Oh, could very well be. Really could. Phone number is 855-853-4802 to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. We would love to hear your real ghost story. Of course, please subscribe to the show if you like it. Uh, press subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, and there's about 400 other ones that I'm finding. When I look at the stats of like where people are listening to us and what they're using, I'm like, what is that? I've never... There's so many that exist out there. Everybody's got their preference. So press subscribe, whatever it is, and uh, make sure you don't miss any episode to the show, especially if you're a new listener. We release this show uh, about uh, five to six days a week. So uh, the more... Uh, when you subscribe, you get the shows right to you. You don't have to search us out every single time. It helps our show out quite a bit. Let's go to a letter. Amanda writes in. Uh, hang on one second here, because I think I, I need my I need my text a little bit larger, and I think I lowered the size on myself inadvertently. I need big letters because I'm getting old. In my old age here of thirties. Do you need your glasses? Yeah, where are they? Right here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Grandma. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, I'm not the one that needs glasses anymore. I know. I know. I know. Let's see here. All right. All right. Got the glasses on. Now I just need a pipe. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, Amanda writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. I called in once before, and you aired my story on August 28th episode of Haunted Hospital. It was about the time when I was seven, and I encountered something in the closet while playing hide-and-seek. I decided to write in this time because there's such a story to tell, so much of a story to tell. I thought it would be easier this way. As I said in my call, we lived in the house for about a year before anything happened. The incident in the closet was the beginning of the occurrences. I looked at my grandparents and my mother, though she had a lot of health problems and wasn't always there with us. After my little freakout in the closet, my parents started hearing footsteps in my room at night. There was a heavy quick stomping sound like kids running around. I'd often wake up to my grandma coming upstairs to check and make sure I was in bed. Every single time the footsteps would stop when she got to the top of the stairs and saw me in bed. It was never me. Eventually, she just stopped coming to check. 
All of us would often hear our names called. If we weren't home alone, whoever was with us would always say they hadn't called for us. A couple times, my grandma said she'd wake up in the middle of the night to see what she thought was me, standing in the doorway to her room, small dark shape of a person. When she turned on the light, it was gone. When we first moved into the house, my parents took one of the bedrooms downstairs. They only stayed in it about a month after the weird things began, and they then switched rooms. They never told me why. They turned it into a guest room. After a couple of family members refused to stay in it a second time, it became a storage room. They never told me what happened to make people scared of it, but I'd always get in trouble if I even so much as opened the door. In the backyard was a detached garage that we were not allowed to see. My parents said that the owner of the house we were renting had the key and used it as storage. Never once in the whole nine years that we lived there did the owners ever come and get anything out of it or put anything in it. But sometimes handprints would appear on the grime on the inside of the windows. The place creeped me out and I stayed away from that side of the yard. Electronics malfunctioned all the time. It got to the point where my parents told people not to buy me electronic toys. They would not only stop working, but would sometimes do things that they shouldn't have been able to do. Once a talking doll made a creepy growling sound that scared me and a friend so badly that we threw it into a closet and made my grandpa come upstairs to take it away. Lights flickered at least once a day. The TV and radios would go on and off. The telephone would pick up what sounded like other people's calls, even though it wasn't cordless and shouldn't have been able to do that. Sometimes the phone would ring and there would be nothing but a strange, almost metallic sound on the other end. Objects would often move from where you place them, not in the course of several hours, but in seconds. One particular example I remember was when I was making pancakes. I set a frying pan on the counter turn to the fridge to get milk and turn back to see the pan all the way across the room from where I'd set it. This happened while I was alone in the house. Once a friend and I wanted to see if cats talked while no one was home. We were about eight or nine and just watched Homeward Bound. So we set up a little stereo. I had to record on a blank tape and left it in my upstairs bedroom. When we came back a little while later, having gone out with my family, we played the tape back. About 15 minutes into it, we started to hear unintelligible but very distinct whispering. We hurriedly shut it off and threw the tape away. Well, she's got her answer. The cats talked. The cats talked? That's what it was. It was cats talking. <laughs> that's all that was. But they, they do. But they didn't sound cartoony and cute. But that's how they, they sound. They whisper to each other. Cats talk when you're not around. Okay. <laughs> at least that's what I like to believe. <laughs> Continuing on. What's even stranger than all this, at least to me is that while the haunting started out very scary, as time went on, the things that happened became more and more playful, a few times even protective. One day, about a year before we moved out, I was home alone making a pot of coffee. The coffee pot was kept unplugged in the corner of the counter. I had to pull it out and pull it in to use it. I turned away to check the bacon and realized I was forgotten to put the glass pot on the burner. I turned back and found the coffee pot switched off, unplugged, and pushed back into the corner with the glass pot put back on the burner. I also believe the spirits or entities or whatever it was helped us one night a few years before that. 
I was home alone with my mother, and it was in the afternoon. There was a raging storm outside, so bad that the streets were flooding and the power was off. We were sitting in the living room when someone started banging on the front door. We thought it was her parents, so we ran to it. But it wasn't them. We could see through the window at the top of the door a very tall man with long, straggly hair and a really pissed-off expression. He was soaking wet and banging on the door. When we saw, when he saw us, he said, let me in. We didn't know this man, and I assumed he was a drunk or something, who just wanted out of the rain, but he was really aggressive and he scared me. I told my mother not to let him in. My mother, God rest her, had zero common sense, and she tried to open the door. The door to the house was so old that the knob was worn and useless. The deadbolt was locked. It swung open with just a light breeze. I ran to hide in the living room and watched my mother undo the deadbolt and pull on the door and it still would not open. She, she, she held on and leaned all of her weight on it. That door would not open. It had never done this before and never did it since. The man got frustrated and left and her parents came home soon after that. When we told them what had happened, they agreed that there was no way the door would have refused to open. We moved out about a month before I turned 15. The activity never once ceased in all that time. Though, as I said, it did gradually become less scary and more playful. A, common, uh, a couple of months before we moved out, I finally saw an apparition. I was home alone with my baby brother, who was about eight months old at the time. It was in the evening and sitting. I remember being about being about nine at the time, and it was January, I believe, so it was very dark outside. I was in the living room, my brother asleep in his crib. There were no lights on except the one right next to me on the end table on the television. I was watching TV, and for some reason, I turned and looked toward the entryway into the kitchen. I only saw him for a second, but it was so clear. To this day, I can still remember him. It was a man in a dark suit with pale skin and dark hair. His hair was messy and his tie was undone. He sort of shuffled past the doorway, straight into a solid wall, disappearing. He looked like he was riding, wringing his hands. I saw, I sat there frozen for I don't know how long. I was still sitting there, just like that, when my family got home. Even though it didn't feel threatening in any way, it absolutely terrified me. We moved not long after that. No house I've lived in since has had any activity, and certainly not to the level this one did. My mother and grandparents have since all passed away, and the house itself sat empty for a couple of years after we moved out. It was eventually demolished and turned into a parking lot. I'm a little sad it's gone, and I still dream about it sometimes. I've tried to look into the history of the house, but haven't found anything. I wish now that I'd asked my parents more about it, about what they'd experienced themselves and if they knew anything about the house. For a while after we moved, I tried not to think about it. Once we were out of the house, I finally realized just how scary it had been. It had seemed normal at the time because that was how I grew up. Looking back on it, I wonder how we were able to live there for so long. But the time, by the time I was older and starting to get curious about the house, there was no one to ask. To my knowledge, there was never even an attempt at ridding the house of whatever was haunting it. Just typing about it now is giving me the chills. I wish I knew more about it, and I'll keep digging. If I do manage to find something, I'll write it and let you know. 
Thank you for your show. It's very entertaining. Thank you for giving people an outlet. I was lucky enough to have people around who believe me. I know how important that can be in making you feel better about a scary experience. So I really like that the ghost tried to keep the door closed so that the mother couldn't let the psychopath in. Yeah, it sounded like it really was a helpful ghost. Like it was it was playing the role of common sense for the mom. Right. <laughs> you know, who didn't seem to have much. Right. I mean, I think just having a ghost is scary, but it sounds like he wasn't, you know, that bad of a one to have around, assuming that it's just one. Yeah. So. It was a good ghost. I wonder if the parking lot's on it now. Yeah, I don't know. You know, if there'd be a parking lot where you see someone out there or someone in cars or just... Or do you, as a ghost who's helpful and nice and friendly, do you leave that area once the home is gone, or do you are you still stuck on that plot of land? See, that's what I want to know. What happens when your haunt goes away? I would venture to guess that if you're a human ghost, maybe you have to stay in your area, because that seems to be where a lot of, you know, they, they tend to seem to stay in their areas. Yeah. You know, if you're a non-human ghost, I think you have a little more free reign of where you end up haunting but uh, nonetheless, good story. Yeah. Thanks for calling in, or thanks for writing in, rather. If you have a real ghost story, you can write into us through the website, just like they did at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you'd like to weigh in with your opinions on a uh, something we talked about, a call or a story, you can do so up on our message board on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to another call from 855-853-4802. Hey, Tony, Jenny, this is Billy Stansel again from uh, North Carolina. Uh, Stanley County, North Carolina. Just uh, the weenie dog guy, maybe, would you know me better. Anyway, um, can't believe you don't like weenie dogs, Tony. That's crazy. They're awesome. I have a lab, too. She's a year old. She hunts with me. But anyway, I want to talk about Richard from Tennessee. Um, I believe his story, and I believe, to me, it just makes sense that the eye him and his, uh, that other guy have on their leg would be protection. Uh, I don't know why that girl called basically calling him out saying he was lying because you can tell in his voice he's like really affected anyway uh, I mentioned to my dad the radio show and told him that you guys have played my story and he was like well um, I quit saying it because no one believed me but he's like I still see that uh, shadow figure come down the hallway he first told me about five years ago and then he stopped talking about it he says still once a week, if or more or less, but uh, pretty much on a regular basis. Sees this thing walk out of my room wearing a gown from like maybe the 1800s, how men and women, men and women wear or gowns to bed. And sorry, I'm uh, kind of nervous again. <laughs> but anyway, he sees that every week coming out of my room. And he says, well, whatever it is, it must really care about you because that's the only place I see it. It's coming out of your room and walking down the hall. Um, and he sees this all the time. Uh, and um, <clears throat> we, I mentioned to him about me and Liz, my girlfriend, uh, kind of having an argument, and that's when the remote happened. And he said, yeah, it doesn't like arguing. When me and your mom raise our voices or, you know, argue, um, he said, uh, glass like a glass you drink out of was on the edge of the counter and uh, my lab is notorious for trying to get on the counter and licking stuff and uh, anyway but so he thought it was her out there messing with something when they were arguing but 
she was come to find out she was in the bathroom with, with the door shut. Well, he walks out there when he heard it to tell her to stop and he'll see that she's in the bathroom and can't get out. And there's like four milk classes, for better terms, just, you know, 16 ounce glass cups um, on the floor and they're all shattered. So he said that uh, after that point, him and mom quit arguing and uh, they still don't, they try not to argue. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I just wanted to give you an update and uh, really not liking this thing coming out of my room. It freaks me out. And I also had, I, I wrote it off as nothing at the time when it happened. But um, years ago, I had, for lack of better terms, that sleep paralysis that you guys talk about. But I was like, whatever, you know, that's just my body. It's not anything that can, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a spirit, it's not a ghost. It's happened to everybody. Now, that's what I wrote it off as. <clears throat> but come to think of it, I guess I told myself, like the other guy called a few weeks ago about, he's like, you, you have to say it didn't happen or how the hell are you going to sleep in your room? That's kind of the route I took on it when I seen it because it was a figure. Couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, but I woke up, thought I was awake. My eyes were open. I couldn't move a muscle, couldn't move. And I was trying to scream, help, help, and couldn't scream. And uh just seen it. And it was coming closer and closer from the foot of my bed. And it, it was just a dark outline. Couldn't tell you what it was. Uh just really freaked me out. And it felt like an hour, but I know it was probably 30 seconds at the most. And then I could move, and it was gone. So uh, thinking back to him seeing these things coming out of my room, and then the remote and the cups, I'm pretty sure that wasn't sleep paralysis, um, which kind of scares me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you guys are awesome. I'm having a little bit of financial trouble right now, so I can't become an EPP until, uh, for a few more weeks. But um, anyway, I really wish people wouldn't call in and try to, like, debunk other people's stories because you can tell in a lot of these people's stories there's emotion in their voices and uh like like you guys say that's not what this show's about so anyway you guys are cool uh just told me i like you but your wife makes the show uh going back to the old ones without her they're not the same <laughs> but uh you, you're both awesome and yeah i can't believe you don't like windy dogs <laughs> anyway have a good day see ya so that's a new form of couples counseling if you argue the ghost is going to break stuff that's kind of a threat isn't it that's it uh, is. it's like electric shock therapy <laughs> except it's a ghost that's going to haunt you so yeah i don't know the weenie dogs uh, i don't know I, I guess you know it's it's something that could be changed if i met one i liked which could very well happen at some point you know that, that they're could, wonderful little creatures i'm sure they are I just, like I said, I just have never had a good experience with one, but I'm sure I'll, I'll meet one somewhere that's a nice, kind dog. I used to not like dogs in general, and until I had one, I'm like, oh, they're really nice. They're friendly. Yeah. I just, for a long time, I, I was a cat person. Like I said, I never really had dogs around me. All my family, too. Cats. Um, aunts, uncles, cats. You know, so I just really wasn't exposed, and I got a dog, you know, when I was late teens, and I was like, oh. They're not so bad. Yeah. It's like, okay. So, yeah, I like dogs now. Yeah, so. they're good. It's just one of those things, you know. It's it's an experience thing. And I'm not saying I hate those dogs or they're a bad breed of dog. It's just me personally, never had a good experience. Well, the first That's dog, all that is. First dog that ever bit me was a little miniature poodle. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I didn't like poodles, but I got past that, you know. Sure. Found some poodles that were great. Yeah. And, so. 
So, yeah, I mean, and the thing is, um, I want to bring up what, what he said about the, the woman who called in. You know, I, I don't know that she was, she was, she was just really expressing, I think, her, her views on, on his call, which is fine with me. I, I don't care if someone calls in and has um, an educated uh, view or something to add to a story from another perspective. Um, I, I don't like it when somebody just calls in to say, I think that that story is bullshit and just because, you know. Right. That yeah, that, exactly. We don't we don't do that on this show because really we're talking about ghosts here. Every story we talk about could potentially be bullshit. But the thing is, that's not what we do. I mean, we believe the stories and we take people at their word for them. And if somebody does have some interesting, you know, antidotes to add to something like she did, I'm cool with that. You know, and and she expressed her opinion. She didn't know for sure, and she didn't state that he's his story was complete BS for sure. It's just based on her knowledge she thinks it may possibly be based on our knowledge we think it probably isn't so yeah yeah it's just really a, it's it's a viewpoint thing and, and i welcome all viewpoints here on the show sure so there you go 855-853-4802 that's the phone number to call in to real ghost stories online if you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us scott writes in my father moved to the u.s from scotland in the early 50s after world war ii he settled in upstate new york after meeting my mother they bought a house from the presbyterian church that had served as the priest and clergy quarters a presbyterian mission the house had been built in the mid-1800s by one of the families that had founded our village they donated the house to the church and moved away not long after it was built we bought it in the late 1960s, and a few years later, while well, two of my older brothers had been stuck watching me one day, we were down in the dirt-floored basement. They gave me a small plastic shovel to keep me occupied, and what about whatever they were doing? I saw a small mouse go into a hole in the ground and began digging after it. But I kept hearing a hard surface. I had revealed a couple rounded corners before my brother checked to see what I was up to. They took over and revealed what turned out to be a gravestone. It was of a young girl named Susan that died at the age of seven in 1878. My mom swore us all to secrecy and had my dad get rid of it. He ended up giving it to the historic society in town. Years later, when I was 16, my dad's best friend came to visit from Scotland with his new wife. All we knew about her was her name. As it turned out, she was sensitive. Upon arrival... She had just made it into the front door, and with her arm outstretched to greet my dad, she looked off to the left, and in a thick brogue, she said, Oh, who's the wee spirit girl then? Should I talk in my accent, my bad accent no. of Scotland? I'm going to sound like the Lucky Charms. I that's... Oh, who's the wee little spirit girl over there? Buy me Lucky Charms. Okay, Scottish accent and Irish accent. I'm horrible. Are completely different. I know, different. and I I can't I can't do a Canadian accent. I'm I can't do accents. No. I'm just not good at them. So <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> so now we have listeners there, and I'm just an idiot with it. So so. Don't feel bad. I can't do American accents well either. Uh, we had forgotten about the grave that definitely never told anyone about it. My dad, who was a redhead with a very pink complexion, went pale. Since then, the two others have sensed her presence without prior knowledge. It never fails to creep us out. Since then, I've done some research, and it was common back then for families to bury their dead like that. In the winter, when the ground was frozen, she's still in the house. 
I'm trying to get the historical society to make sure that she isn't disturbed in the event the house ever changes hands. I guess her death was the reason they moved away. Love the show. Thanks for, the, uh, thanks for your time. Sincerely, Scott Peace. Okay, so at what point in history did people start thinking, ew, gross about dead people? Because the reason I asked this is because this story happened, what, 150 years ago? Mm-hmm. And so they didn't think anything of it to bury a loved one in the house. Mm-hmm. And then back in the Victorian times, they used to actually prop them up and take pictures, like family photos. Oh, yeah. We just I posted a link to that up on the uh, Facebook page the other day. Right. And so I'm thinking, okay, at what point did people decide, that's nasty. We shouldn't do that. Modern refrigeration. Okay. Is this a bullshit answer? Is no. This, okay. Well, I mean, it's my take on it. And I bet you if you look it up, I'll be right. Okay. So this is, this is somewhat of a bullshit answer. Okay. But here's the logic behind it, Okay. Modern refrigeration and the ability to store a body away from the family. So the normality of you got a body in your house was just how it was up until modern refrigeration. Okay, body's dead. Let's take some pictures and we got to put him somewhere. Either we're going to bury him in the basement where we can dig uh, or we're going to uh, bury him outside when it's warm. And the body's disposed of, but the body is there, and it's just part of it. And it, you're not farming it out to a commercial service like a funeral home or something to do all the dirty work of taking care of the body and this and that. It was just how it was done. Nothing weird about it, because there was no alternative, okay? Totally normal for those families. Then along comes the modern funeral home business, modern uh, refrigeration, things of that nature. Now, people are like finding the convenience, and probably the more affluent at the time could start doing it. They're the ones who probably started farming these things out because they didn't want to deal with it. It was probably a hassle. Funeral homes start taking over. Eventually, everyone can use a funeral home. And then the normalcy of dealing with the body within your own home and burying it yourself in your backyard or your basement, not so normal. And eventually you get a generation that grows up that doesn't see this as being the normal thing to do. Their kids never exposed to this as being a normal thing. Suddenly, there's a body in the house. What the hell are you talking about? Who would do that? Not so normal. Okay, I get that. But if we're playing that game with the advent of refrigeration and all the embalming and everything they do, that would further the argument for people to take pictures of their dead loved ones. So You had to take the pictures pretty quick after they croaked. Back then, sure. but now you have even more time to do that. But why don't we do that? So that's what I'm oh, getting I at. See. Where did the weirdness factor come in? Because I think, I think that's beyond weird. I mean, looking at some of those pictures, I knew they used to do that, but mm-hmm. it's still kind of appalling to me. Um, you know, at what point did people decide that's not okay to do? I think it was probably around the same time. I just think it's one of those things where. <laughs> You have the dead body around for a little while before you bury it. What should we do? Let's take some pictures. Well, now you don't have the body in the living room. Now, That's why the living room is the living room. Literally called the and living room. And not the dead room. Aren't you funny? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to make a joke. I'm okay. saying that's literally where its name comes from. I'm not kidding. The living room. Yes. I'm not joking. I'm, that's not a joke. That is the origin of the name of the living room. Okay. It is. It, it has to do with having a funeral or, or showing and doing that in the living room. 
And that it's, is... It's like, it's like, and that's where you'd have the wake. Well, the wake also originates because they would give it time to wake up in case they weren't dead. That's what the wake is. And it goes back to, again, pre-embalming, pre-modern you know, modern refrigeration, pre-all the things we can do now to confirm the person's dead. Okay. That room is no longer called the living room. <laughs> you do like that, do you? That is our den. That's our den. That is Call our the den. family room. That's our family room. Okay. Yeah. See? I will never use that term again. <laughs> I'm not bullshitting I, you either. I totally believe you. Yeah. So, but that's just weird. So that's that. I actually look at this. I had real usable knowledge to convey on today's show and not just making shit up. That's good. They also made pickle fingers out of people's fingers. They, they pickled them. That part I'm making up. It's so hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> There's times you get me and I feel like an idiot. Because you don't even realize that I totally believe what you said. Uh, that's how I'm going to start my cult someday, because I can just keep peeing them. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Let's go to the caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Tony and Jenny. My name's Josh, and I just started listening to your show. I have started listening to it on a regular basis. It's a great show, and I appreciate what you guys do. Um, I've got a story to share uh, that actually happened to my brothers and my dad. Several years ago, it was uh, during an elk hunt, and uh, an area that we've hunted for several years, there was cabin up there, and we'd stay in it, and I didn't happen to be there this time, but um, my brothers were hunting on some private property, and they were working their way down from the top of a mountain down through some trees and uh, back towards the cabin. Well, as they were working down through the trees and they were separated, they weren't standing next to each other, they were working down trying to push elk through. And uh, as they were walking down through those trees, they had heard voices talking and so they would stop and listen and as they would stop, the voices would stop talking. But then they'd start tiptoeing through the trees again, and the voices would start up again. And they never got any closer, and uh, where this was private property, they knew uh, if there were people there or not, and uh, nobody was supposed to be in there, and uh, you had to get in there, you'd have to uh, get a key to the gate. Um, so, yeah, they were confident that nobody was there. So. They just kind of continued on down through the trees. Well, they got back to the, uh, they got down to the bottom of the trees where they met up and were on their way back to the cabin and they were talking and uh, shared the experiences with each other. And interestingly enough, they both had had the same experience. Well, that same, uh, so they got back to the cabin and they were, hanging out there and uh, my dad was going to go and go down into town and pick up some drinks and uh, just some snacks and whatnot uh, for the next day's hunt and so he left and they didn't say anything to him about what had happened they just kind of disregarded what had happened and didn't say anything well my dad left to go get the drinks and uh, it, it wasn't five minutes and he was uh, back at the cabin and 
my brother's way to describe it is he walked in and he was white as a ghost. And so when they, uh, they asked him, they're like, what's wrong? He said, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me anyway. And I said, try us. He said, no, you just think I'm crazy. So they proceeded to tell him what had happened to them as they were uh, going down trying to push through the trees uh, for the elk. Well, um, he looked at him and said, well, maybe you would believe me. So he proceeds to tell them that he got in the, the truck and was driving down the road and as he was driving down the road and he looked over in the uh, out the passenger window and as he was looking over there was somebody sitting in the seat next to him and he turned back and looked and then he looked back because it registered that there was somebody sitting there and there was nobody sitting there and the person who was sitting there he described them as wearing uh, looking like an old miner uh wearing old mining clothes and uh they were there and then they were just gone so uh he turned around and immediately just went back to the lodge well the unique part of this is that uh the area we were staying and hunting just over the hill behind the lodge was the old La Plata uh, mine, which was a silver mine in the late 1800s. So anyway, I just thought I would uh, share that story. Hopefully um, you can use that, and I'll, I'll call in another time. I have numerous different stories, but uh, I'll save those for another time. Thanks a lot. Bye. That's really freaky, just driving along and you look over and there's somebody sitting in the seat and then you do a double take and it's gone. I would be in an accident and probably dead. Yeah. I I don't know I could handle that one. No. I would imagine a lot of those um, rural areas up in the mountains, you know, because there were mines all over the place throughout the Rockies, mm-hmm. would have things like that happen, you know, hauntings of miners, because that was not uncommon. That was one of the most dangerous things you could do was be a miner. People died all the time. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really surprise me. I'm interested, though, that he decided, the spirit decided to hop in the truck, but... Maybe you need to get somewhere. Yeah. Do the rules of, uh, you know, transportation apply to ghosts where they need, like, literally transportation, or do they have to walk? You know, I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. Here's a letter. Dear Tony and Jenny, I've been listening to your podcast on and off from the very beginning. In fact, I was on uh, I was one of your early subscribers back when Tony was uh, doing the show alone. I let myself get behind on your episodes for various reasons. I was pleasantly surprised when Jenny joined the cast. Over the past couple of months, I've been able to get myself caught up, and I'm glad to report that I am now up to date on all the happenings at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's easy for me to stay current, too, because I've got a very long commute to and from work and can often get through two episodes each way. I uh, kind of use your podcast for a barometer for how bad the traffic is. For example, a 
Two full episode commute is a terrible traffic day, obviously. And anything less than that, two full episodes is not so terrible traffic day. I'm sure you've noticed that I don't have a good rating for traffic. Trust me, the word good is not in the Northern Virginia traffic vernacular. Not terrible is about as good as it gets. Anyway, I have a number of ghost stories to share with you and your listening audience. I thought I'd kick it off with one that means the most to me. And if memory serves me right, the one that was my very first real experience with the paranormal. I call this story Tangerine Farts. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Nice. I promise you I'm not giving it this title just for a cheap laugh. I think uh, after you hear the story, you'll agree that it can't be called anything else. This story is 100% true. I uh, lost my father to cancer many years ago. I was 14 at the time, and it was the summer before I entered my freshman year in high school. While his loss was difficult for me and my family, it was not sudden. We all knew what was happening. In the end, his passing, we pro- we were uh, while profoundly sad, was also a relief for us all, as it was clear he was suffering on so many levels. Prior to his illness, he was a robust, active man who had a natural magnetism about him, which made him somewhat larger than life. He was smart, successful, with uh, quick with a joke, and was well-loved by all who knew him. Yet, as is true of all people, he also had his vices. Perhaps the most gnarling of these vices was a somewhat obsessive enjoyment of tangerines. If you've never had a tangerine, it's probably best described as a really small but intensely fragrant orange. When you catch a whiff of one, there is no mistaking what it is. And my dad loved them. He ate them every chance he had, and our home was often permeated with the smell of tangerines. I think the title of the story pretty much tells you another of his vices, so I'll spare you extensive detail on that one. Suffice to say, that uh, taken separately, each odor is, was distinct and powerful in their own way. But taken collectively, the odor was absolutely unforgettable. As much as I loved my dad, when he was in dual vice mode, it was difficult to share a room with him for more than 15 minutes, but that was my dad. He personally could light up a room, and his tangerine farts could clear it. So, what better way to communicate from beyond than to use a distinct odor that was all your own? It was about three months after he passed when I had my first encounter with one of his phantom tangerine farts. I'll refer to them as TF from here on. It was entire. It was early in the morning, and I was well into my getting ready for school routine. I was in the master bathroom and had just started brushing my teeth when out of nowhere came the TF smell. Mercifully, it hung around only briefly and was gone. I shook it off as a residual memory. It felt a little sad, and it reminded me that my dad was gone and just went about my day. It happened a second time the next day, and again the day after that. Each time it happened, I dismissed it. It didn't take long for me to recognize the pattern. It always happened in the morning while I was brushing my teeth in the master bath. So after the fourth time, I switched up my routine, brushed my teeth in the hall bath. And this time, there was no TF smell. Ah, I thought. It was just a residual memory. Satisfied with my debunking of the phantom TF, I finished brushing my teeth and went into my bedroom to get dressed for my day. I opened my closet door and boom, TF again. (laughs) Only this time, it didn't fade away. It stuck with me while I finished getting dressed and it actually followed me as I went downstairs and into the kitchen to get a quick breakfast before heading out the door for school. 
The moment I walked into the kitchen, the smell was gone. My mom was sitting at the breakfast table, drinking a cup of tea and reading. As I got out my cereal bowl and spoon, I debated saying something about how my TF experiences uh, were going. I poured myself a bowl of Cheerios, added some milk and a little bit of sugar, sat at the table. She looked up at me, smiled and said, what's new? Paused momentarily as I swallowed my first bite and said, well... I think Dad is still around in some way because for the past week I've been getting whiffs of his tangerine farts. Her response sent chills down my spine and solidified my belief that there indeed is life after death. She said, you smell them too? I love that story. That's That's, really good. That's hilarious. So as a ghost, does he get to eat all the tangerines he wants in death or is he just able to like emit the odor on command? I don't know. Hopefully he can enjoy his tangerines. Yeah, and everyone else can still enjoy the sense <laughs> that he leaves behind as well. That's a good story. Thanks for uh, writing that in. The phone number is 855-853-4802 to get in contact with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Uh, it's Madeline from Ontario, Canada. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have read my letter or not. Um, I apologize. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and uh, I don't always get the opportunity to listen to the show, so I'm about a month behind. Um, my husband and I actually had a very odd experience tonight. It wasn't, I don't know if it was paranormal, um, but it was unsettling, to say the least. Sorry, I'm a bit nervous. Um, I'm actually in the garage telling the story because uh, I just have a small bungalow, so I didn't want to wake anybody up telling it. Um, anyway, so we were driving home tonight from my mother-in-law's house, and it's just a little highway. It's only about two lanes. Um, there's it's dark. There's no lights. So we're driving, just talking, listening to the radio, and my two-year-old son all of a sudden starts talking, saying, why guy outside? Why is guy there? Why is he there? And he's saying this very seriously, and I'm listening, and my husband's not really paying attention. He's just listening to the radio. So my son keeps saying this, why guy out there? Why guy? So I look over at my husband and say, are you listening to him? And he stops and he listens. So my son kept saying the same thing. Why guy out there? Why guy? So my husband's kind of listening and thinks that's odd. And he, he believes in the paranormal, but he doesn't really want anything to do with it. It kind of disturbs him. So he says, Ollie, that's my son's name. And boy, where is the guy? So Ollie says, right over there. So I turn around and I look and I have my headrest raised above the seat, so I just look through there. So I repeat the question to him, and he points out the window, and he's very matter-of-fact, very guy right over there, right there. Why guy there? So I look out the window, and there's nothing. We're in the right lane. There's no cars beside us. It's country highway. There's no streets. Like There's no people. There's nothing he could have seen that he would think was a guy. So I'm thinking, okay, that's a little bit odd. So we keep driving, and but he's insistent. He's not changing his mind. He keeps saying over and over, why guy up there? So my husband and I are trying to get his mind off the subject and say, oh, what did you do at grandma's today? Did you play with her cousins? What did you do? And, you know, anything, anything simple just to distract him, to get his train of thought off of that. And so we keep driving, and he keeps saying the same thing over again. Why guy outside? So just the point where I start to get actually disturbed by this, all of a sudden, Ollie looks out and declares, 
guy all gone. Where'd guy go? Guy gone. So thinking, oh, okay, that's nice, honey. Try not to put too much thought into it so he doesn't keep thinking about that. So we're driving another 20 minutes or so, and finally we get back into the city and there's lights. We're about a minute away from home, and my son just chimes up again. Guy went way up into the sky. Guy all gone, way up into the sky. So I'm thinking, okay. And uh, I'm trying to... I'm trying to let that be something that's good, thinking, oh, maybe he saw an angel or something, and that's why it went way up into the sky. But it's still just how insistent he was. I know kids have a vivid imagination, but he was adamant. He For 10 minutes straight, he was saying, why guy outside? Why guy out there? Why big guy there? What's guy doing? You know, the same thing over and over and over. So I have... Sorry, I'm nervous and shaking still from this. Um, I have read an article before about this woman who was in a car accident. And so after that, she prayed to God to send angels to protect her and her family. So she almost got into another car accident, but she was saved. And within a month of reading this, a friend of mine actually got into a car accident with her two young children. So I, when coincidences happen like this, I kind of pay attention. So I did the same thing. Woman that I had read about did. I prayed to God, you know, can you send angels to protect my, me and my family when we're driving? So I'm hoping this is an explanation for what he saw since he went way into the sky currently. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that would be really anything major, but it was just, well, I'll leave it to you. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. You guys are just amazing. Anyway, take care. Bye-bye. That is so weird when they're that age and they see something and you don't see it. And they're, you know, either smiling and waving and saying hi or they're wanting to know what it is. That, you know, and as a parent, you're like, I don't even know what to do, you know. Or you just kind of do the smile. Yeah, honey, that's okay. But it's just like, you know, there's something they're seeing because they don't you know they they don't they can do make-believe but they don't do it like that you know it's not like a four or five year old where they can come up with elaborate things if they see something and they say it it's because they see it see it he saw a ghost yeah that's all i got yeah. oh, he saw a ghost or an angel one or the other sure very uh very interesting why guy up there creepy yeah. Very creepy. Thank you for the call. We really do appreciate that. And uh, thank you for being a loyal listener to the show. 855-853-4802 is the number to dial into Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, remember, please become an EPP. Uh, we're going to send out the uh, bonus episode tomorrow for the uh, week. So if you're not an EPP yet and you want that bonus episode for the weekend to enjoy, sign up right away and you will get in on that email. It's only 5 bucks a month to be an EPP or you can do the $60 a year version and uh, you get uh, essentially 52 bonus episodes of the show sent out to you as a thank you. And you're going to get the link to our uh, short film that we put together, about 25 minutes, uh, Spirits in the Air, about uh, the uh, haunted airport. And uh, it's a good one. So uh, lots of good stuff to uh, spook out your weekend with. If you're not an EPP yet, please sign up through the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click become an EPP and get in on that. All those uh, fun extras and the knowledge that you are keeping this show alive and a-going. So, until next time, for Jenny Bruski, who's right there. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Yes. 
I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.